yesterday's price is not today's price. What is up, guys? We got a real treat for you, episode three. This guy had 16 million new revenue last summer, draws fast, lives by the beat of his drum, literally, and is one of the few guys I will say has as much drip as me. Come into the Strike Tank with me, Dylan, new father, Jordan Linquist. Welcome to Strike Nation. So, so how much pest control have you done over how many years? Um, probably since like 2000. I just finished my 10th summer. Mm-hmm doing door-to-door pest control, so, yeah, I've been in the game for a decade now, Yeah, so I'm an old dog, that's why I got so many gray hairs, but, there you go, yeah, um, okay, so, and then, where would you say your mentality overall just comes from? My mentality, I feel like, obviously, like, our work ethic and stuff has a lot to do with how we were raised, right, and so, feel like my mentality just came from having you know parents instilled like a hard work ethic in me from a young age like I started working at age like 11 or 12 um going door to door funny enough like finding clients to to, that I can mow their lawns among other things and so I, I think it's just you know being raised in a small town as a farming town rural rural community and like you know, I grew up like driving tractors and like, you know, just like doing manual labor and stuff like that. And so mentality just that I grew up with was like, nothing is given to you. Anything you want, you have to work for it. And so, um, I think too, also like when I was like, you know, coming up like in school playing sports or whatever, like I, I was small. So like, I never really got looks from coaches and like, never really got played that much. And so I felt like growing up, I just kind of had this like underdog mentality that like they might be more talented than me. Like I, I have to outwork them if I even want to get remotely close to like, you know, getting mm-hmm. the time or whatever that they're getting. So I think it's like those two things combined, just being grown up in a small town where it's like you have to work for everything you, you have coupled with like me feeling like I'm not the – you know, fastest, smartest, whatever. Like, so I have to work to overcompensate for that. Chatting the chip on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And like with that, do you think you have like a mentor, you know, when you were young and then again, you know, when when you got into the industry that helped shape, you know, sort of that mentality? It's hard to say growing up who my mentor was besides, you know, just seeing my dad like grind. You know, he... He was always doing like odd jobs or whatever like he had his his career you know as like um a professor or whatever but he also was like a volunteer firefighter volunteer emt and would teach like cpr courses and like all these different things to like make extra money on the side and just like even just growing up being young like when i was you know however old i was four or five years old and my brother was like a year too old um you know he was in grad school and he was working at Sears, which is like a department store during the day, and then going to evening classes to finish his grad school and then stocking shelves at Harmon's, like which is a grocery store at night shift and slept like four hours a night, right? So I think growing up, um, that was kind of my mentor just in terms of like showing me what work ethic looks like. And then 
Uh, when I entered the industry, Jay writing is, you know, probably the biggest mentor I've had. Um, you know, I didn't really know him before my first summer, met him shortly before we went out to sell and he just kind of took me under his wing and taught me everything he knows. And you, and you kind of recruited yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I I've did, heard that yeah. story once or twice. You just I hit up Jay on Facebook messenger and was like, Hey, do you still have room on your team? I, I want to go to Cali with you guys. And he didn't respond for like a week because he was in Mexico for spring break. And I was like, dang, this guy's ghosting me, man. Like, I'm going to have to like hit someone else up. And then he finally like messaged me back was like, yeah, let's go to lunch. So there you go. Yeah, Jay's um, been a great mentor. We have a couple questions on here about morning routines and what your average day in the off season looks like. But it's kind of a bad question to ask you because 10 days ago you had your first kid. So congrats on that. <laughs> Thanks. But um, how's, how's all that going? It's been good. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lifestyle shift, you know. Mm -hmm. It changes up your schedule, and you're not just doing what you want when you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things revolve around him. It's his world. I'm just living it now, so. There you go. Yeah. It's awesome. Shout out to Nedge. Congrats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Congrats. She's a champ. So, and then how did you start door-to-door? -door? We, we, you kind of answered that. So how did, um, and, well, one, um, how did your first year go, and did you ever think that you would be here 10 years later after your first year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my first year was great. Like, I I'd never done sales before. Um, growing up, I was pretty, like, timid, pretty introverted, so the idea of, like, doing sales was a little nerve-wracking, but I served a two-year church mission, right, in Portugal, and, like, all I did all day was pound on doors, like, literally all day, seven days a week. Yeah. <laughs> trying to talk about Jesus, right? And so, like, I had that experience of, like, talking to people. So it was a little less intimidating, but I had a great first summer, learned a ton, um, had a lot of paradigm shifts, like, made great money. And I don't know that at that time I could have seen myself doing it 10 years later, but, like, I just knew that this was something I really enjoyed. Like, I enjoyed being outside. I enjoyed talking to people. You know, I enjoyed the high of selling. Like, that sales high is, like, nothing like it, right? So before going into my first summer, my plan was to uh, do graphic design. So I was going to school to studying graphic design. And after doing my first summer, I was like, dude, I don't know if I want to sit in a cubicle all day and just like work on a computer. Like this is, this is sick. This is fun. Maybe I just kind of run with this and see where see, it goes. See how long it goes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And for me, it's, it's kind of crazy hearing, you know, you just talking about how you know, when you were younger playing sports, like obviously you, you weren't the biggest kid, you know, but now being able to be in a point where you're leading young men, you're leading guys, you know, almost in that team type atmosphere. How do you feel, you know, thinking about where you were, you know, when you were young growing up to or towards where you are now? Well, that's what I like most about sales was like, it didn't matter how big I was, how fast I was, how high I could jump, whatever, like my, you know, athletic ability, like, I, it's an even playing field for everyone, right. right? To like be competitive, and I'm like fiercely competitive, like to to a fault. Like it's bad how competitive I am. Like, you know, I, I embarrass my wife oftentimes. Like just me playing ping pong with friends. Like how competitive I get. But um, so that's what I love. I ate it up, dude. Like it was like, wow. For the first time, I have a playing field that I can like compete on, and it doesn't matter if a coach is choosing to start me. Like I just got to work harder than these guys, yeah. and I'll beat them. And that's what I loved about it. And that, that's, it's fun now too, like working with all these young guys that are coming out of high school or, you know, are a year or two into college that 
are competitive just like I was and a lot of them played sports in high school but then that kind of stopped they get to go to college and plays college sports and just watching their eyes light up too when they discover this you know new playing field this competitive playing field it's, it's fun to watch them like kind of like gain that same I don't know hunger I guess to like be the best at this you know gives them a new new sport right for sure that's how I felt about it for sure after yeah. my first year yeah you being a big ball player and yeah. stuff like and then not being able to play basically so it was just it like scratches that it, was, itch. it was an outlet for sure yeah um uh so it, as far as recruiting for you obviously you have a huge team now um you would say and you would probably say you focus more on maintaining the guys you have and making sure they're good than really finding new guys where do you think um kind of that medium is of like okay um you need to focus more on what you have rather than um, getting more, more as far as just recruits and trying to uh, like personal recruits. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, you know, J Lo ran a sixteen million dollar team this year. So, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a tough thing to juggle. I mean, I I obviously spend way more time helping my lines develop their lines than like me personally trying to go find new lines, but. You know, it's like you, you still want to like lead from the front, show guys that like, yeah, I'm 32 and I'm an old dog and all my friends have graduated and have careers and whatever, whatever excuse I might have of like not being able to recruit, but like still recruiting like that. That's important too to show guys that like I'm still in the trenches with you. I'm still reaching out to guys. I'm still getting denied on DMs <laughs> just like you are. Right. But at the same time, like I, I still want, I want to be as available as I can for my guys to um, just be a resource to them, whether it's like flying out to Arkansas and doing frat presentations right. or, you know, hopping on phone calls or zoom meetings or whatever. Um, obviously want to help nurture those, those lines yeah. as much as I can. And just thinking about that, you know, like I, I know Dylan, your, your brother works for the company. Now you, your brother come came out, mm -hmm. you know, my brother's planning on coming this summer. It's like, how do you, you know, you know, from growing up, you know, being close with your family and now having your brother, you know, working with you, you know, for you, how, how do you feel about that? It's fun, man. It's, it's cool to, it's, it's cool to help strangers succeed, let alone like your own family. Like that's an even more rewarding feeling, you know, and like he obviously was raised in the same environment as me, is just as competitive as me. And so it's, it's fun to see him, you know, be able to take that and run with it and I mean, this job, like Dylan says, this job's like a Ferrari. Like you can go as fast as you want. You know, it's it's a it's a vehicle to, you know, you plug your work ethic into it and just pound the pavement, and you can accomplish amazing things. And it's fun to see family do that along with you know, for sure, strangers that have become like family. Right. Um, so ten years, ten years in the industry. Um, I, we we were talking with Gaines about it the other day. Um, you know, EcoShield, as far as longevity, um, we've been there. We, you know, it, we've been here for a long time. Um, it's really nothing new to us. Um, but as far as uh, the 10 years that you've been in the industry, you've probably seen a lot of companies and a lot of um, even some other door-to-door -door industries um, kind of come and go. What's kept you at EcoShield? What do you think sets it apart? That's a good question. I, I've been thinking a lot about this, actually, and we talked on the phone briefly the other day about this, but... Yeah, you know, I, I think what was most exciting about EcoShields for me and what's kept me here and I think what differentiates it is just the opportunity for ownership, right? And just like 
owning an asset and like building your book of business and having your customer base that you don't just get a one-time paycheck from it, you know, like all these other companies, like not to diss them, but like you're getting, you're getting paid on that one fiscal year and then it's, you're, it's kind of starting zero. zero. Yeah. And so like, why would you do that to yourself if you have the opportunity to be paid on not only, you know, 2021's production, but 2020's and 2019's and 2018's and 2017's. Right. Like, and that compounding effect, like, you just can't really mess with it. Like, you just can't even touch it. Like, right. You can't compete with it at all. You can't either. compete with it because, and, and that's why, like, I tell guys, like, if I were had the choice, I have a lot of friends that are real estate agents and I have some people I know that are in the insurance industry. And it's like, if I were to do one of those two jobs or both sales jobs, you make a commission or whatever, like I would a hundred times overdo insurance because even though the commission's on a home, if you're a real estate agent or way higher, you make a little bit per deal in the, in the insurance, they stack and they stack and they stack and you get, and they just keep paying their bills. And it's that recurring revenue concept that it's like very few industries have. Mm -hmm. And most other like tech industries or whatever, you know, you just get a one-time paycheck and that's how it just is. Just not taking advantage of the industry you're in. Yeah, it's, I mean, why, why would you just take a one-time paycheck when you could get paid year over year? And like, you know, you hear a lot of like artists talk about ownership, like, you know, Jay-Z or Russ. Oh, my or, masters, yeah. Yeah, oh, my masters, yeah. Like, um, there's a bunch of them, dude, like, even like Nipsey Hustle, like, in a track, I can't really say it because of the expletives but he's just like i'm not anything like you rappers and it's like that resonated with me because he's like he's a rapper but like in that verse he's like i own the rights to all my masters like you don't like you get a one-time paycheck from your label they keep the rest it's like why wouldn't you put yourself in a position to be able to do that and i kind of use the analogy like you know it's these other companies sales companies you're you're planting a tree the tree grows it sprouts some fruit you you, you know, gather some of the fruit, harvest it, and you chop it down. Well, and then you're completely leaving the fruit like we were just talking about. Yeah. You're not able to keep squeezing it. And then the next year, you grow a tree, it starts growing fruit, you harvest it, chop it down, and you just keep planting trees year over year and chopping them down. Whereas with us, you know, you plant a tree, it grows fruit, you plant another one, grows fruit, and you just never chop them down, and you have a, a orchard, you know. So yeah. that's, that's what I think sets it apart, and that's why I've stuck around is like, you know, ownership, the idea of like building something like, you know, we're, we're creative people here and like, we, we like to build things and like, it, it's, it's that idea of like, this is my baby, you know, like this isn't someone else's dream that I'm building. Like this is my, right. my thing. Yeah, for sure. That's how I feel about it too. You took a big jump, you know, when you came here, didn't you? You know, uh, I know Gaines was, you know, at, at two, three million maybe. You know, when, when you came over, is is it crazy just seeing how fast it's grown? You know, while you're here, I, like I'm sure you don't, you almost feel like you blunt, you blinked, and okay. like, all of a sudden you're here. You know, with 150 million, dude, it's been crazy. For sure, that's a good way to put it. Like, it feels like yesterday. Like I just blinked and we're here. And you know, when I first came over, Gaines had two offices and was only doing I don't know three or four million, whatever it was, and then. You know, we opened the bay in 2015 and did like 3 million or something like that that year. But I mean, so Gaines in, in the seven year span that I've been here was doing, you know, three to five million. And then he did a hundred million in new revenue in 2021, not counting all the 
revenue from previous years. So it's just crazy and that's super inspiring because we can look at that and be like, okay, well, where am I going to be in seven right. years? If games is only doing three, four, five million, you know, in 2015 and then 2021, he did a hundred, like I did 16.7 last year. Where am I going to be in seven years? Right. So it's the vehicles there. It's, you know, you just got to put, you know, apply yourself and make it happen. Press the gas. Yeah. The front, yeah. And I think for a lot of guys, they don't understand that, you know, me, me and Dylan talk about this all the time, the fact that the blueprint's already laid out for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just coming in, you know, put the work in, but you, you Jay, Gaines, y'all have put the long hours, you know, recruiting people when y'all work, you know, two offices. Yeah, I mean, like, like that's why before this I was asking you questions about um, what we were talking about is just because you, Gaines, Jay, you guys have already made a lot of the mistakes that I get to avoid by just asking you how to do something the right way. So mm -hmm. in my mind as an entrepreneur, it's like if you want to be a business owner, why would you not put yourself in a position like that where it's almost you almost can't lose if you do the right things. Yeah, so. it's Gaines put it a good way when we first came over. He said, or it might have been Jay, but he called EcoShield entrepreneurship on training wheels. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of... It's it's so true. Like an entrepreneurship is supposed to be this big risky thing where like you can fail and most businesses do fail, especially within the first few years. And then you know there's all these stats about three and five year and ten year marks how many continue to fail. And so it's just kind of like you feel like you're kind of like cheating a little bit. Like you have you know you're the beneficiary of like Doug and Greg and Gaines and these guys that have put decades into this so that it can be such that it's like putting training wheels on it and then going you almost feel like you're kind of cheating entrepreneurship because it's like supposed to be this big risky thing but it really is like it i don't want to say easy but like they've made it so that you can you know take it and run with it and, and accomplish the things that they've accomplished in a 20-year span and like a five-year span mm -hmm. like i talked about in mexico in my training like you know, the rock climbing analogy of, you know, the people that have already climbed the, the wall and scaled it and put in those bolts and stuff so that, and then the gear's gotten better and updated and stuff so that you can just throw on the gear and you can climb and those bolts are already there and you can scale the wall 10 right. times faster. Right. Because somebody already, you know, put them there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's one of the, been one of the biggest things for me. Like, that's definitely uh, makes me personally feel like I'm in a good position. I'm just surrounded by people that have been in the industry for just so long so mm -hmm. you um, did two million last year mm -hmm. yeah so it took me um that was your third year in the industry yeah it took me like four years to do that much so i mean yeah so there you go it's just four or five so like yeah you you know and it's and like i was talking to germ on the way down to mexico and he's like oh man i only did 10 million this year and i'm like yeah only <laughs> dude it's like your fourth year in the industry like i've done like one point something at that time you right. 10x that like what are you talking about only like you're you're getting there 10 times faster than i did right so well it's, cool. i think i think it was pat that has he has some crazy stat where it's 90 95 96 percent of his partners on a faster pace than he is mm -hmm. and so it's just like the the, the blueprint's there it's just mm -hmm. like if, if you use it um and use it the right way um you'll you, you're be heading in the right direction obviously so yeah um five years just uh, on a personal level um five years from now uh where do you want to be i mean i'm looking at this quote that i've written down that i don't know if it's gains that made it up but he said it it said we over 
estimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in five. And it's like, dude, that's a good question. Like, where will I be in five years? Mm -hmm. You know, like, because looking back to five years previous to now, um, you know, I would have, I did, you know, two million, mm -hmm. two point three, five years ago. So you've done eight, eight times that in new rev. Yeah. Yeah, in new rev. Yeah. So it's like, dude, sky's the limit. I, I need to map out like a five year game plan, like year over year, what I want my revenue to look like. But it's like, if I'm not doing it, uh, at least a hundred million in new revenue, then I think it's you probably a failure. You yeah. Know? Well, you will be because yeah, you will be. Yeah. I mean, um, there you go. And then, um, outside of Eco Shield, so, um, you just bought your first house and everything like that. Um, any other things that you, in five years or 10 years, you say you need to have, whether it's, um, you know, whether, whether it's a car or time freedom or, um, you know, vacation house here, what, what are some of those types of things? Yeah, I think in the next like five to 10 years, I just, I want to be in a position where I can just help as many people as I can. Um, I obviously want to have enough time to just spend with family. I'm going to have hopefully more kids by then. Yeah. And just be in a position where obviously I'm helping guys succeed and hit their goals and, you know, build a business to where we want to take it, but also, you know, be a family man, um, have priorities where they need to be just cause it's, it's a huge juggling act, right? Like right. you get so entrenched in, in work and like building things that it's, it's tough to take your eye off the ball sometimes, but yeah, just being, being a great dad, um, being a great husband, being, um, you know, uh, serving people as much as I can and being of aid to people as much as I can. Yeah. You know, that's some of my goals is just try and help as many people as I can in as many ways as I can. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what brings like, you know, true joy. Like it's right. fun to like talk about sports cars or supercars or like whatever, where, you know, what we want to get, but materialistic things only have like a certain shelf life, right? Of like the joy they bring you. And then there's other things like family and philanthropy and stuff that brings a lot more joy. So for sure. That's just kind of the game plan in the next five years is just be, have that balance. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I think that's amazing just because, you know, somebody could look at this video, hear you say, again, yeah, five years, I'm, I'm going to be doing a hundred million in new revenue. I just think you're some type of greedy, you know, like I just want more and more and more, but they don't understand at the same time. It's like you said, the, the more you have, the more you're able to give. Yeah, totally. Well, and the way EcoShield's set up just in general, like if you do $100 million in new revenue, a lot of guys' lives just changed in a really good way. Yeah. By the fact that they came out and did door-to-door, -door, whether they're going to be in industry for the next three years or not. EcoShield, it's a it's a, a springboard, you know. It's a cheat code. It's going to get you it's a, get you way get you where you want to go way faster. And so if you do $100 million, you're helping out a lot of people too. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what's cool about capitalism like you know like business owners like provide opportunities for other people to hit their goals and reach their dreams and you know like i saw like put food on the table for their families you know? like i saw i saw a quote from bezos he was like I, you know like with, with the company i made myself 200 million but like i made other people 800 you know billion dollars richer i've, I've seen that that's yeah. cool yeah and i the quote i love this is like my favorite quote, and I'm probably going to misquote it, but it's, uh, it's you can have everything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want, right? Wow. And so, um, yeah, like, I think that's so true. Like, I kind of got chills thinking about it. It's just like, you can have anything you want in life, you know, 
uh, if you just help enough other people. And that's what I love about EcoShield is you, it's not just this job where it's just you, you know, you go clock in for nine to five and only benefit yourself, you know, like you're helping other guys get to where they want to be mm -hmm. and you get to where you want to be in the process. Mm -hmm. But it's for me in the last like 10 years, like the first few years was, I was way more, uh, just focused on myself and my personal goals and selling what I wanted to sell, right? And then as you transition into a leader and, and having teams and stuff, then it's more about helping your guys get to where they want to be and hit their goals. Because right. then that helps you hit your goal. Right. Definitely. Right. It perpetuates, Definitely. yeah. It's fun. I feel like, based, based on the way you, you answered the past two questions, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but um, what's the one thing that you want to be remembered by? Um, I, I just want to be remembered as a charitable person that was always, you know, willing to help people yeah. in whatever capacity. And uh, I think I want to be remembered for someone that was, you know, people could count on and that I was loyal and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and just talking about, you know, helping people, like me and Dylan always say you're selfish to not offer this job to somebody mm -hmm. just because you never know what they'll be able to do with it. Um, if you were an 18 year old kid, you know, just graduated from high school, what's something that you would want to hear, you know, about the job you're thinking about taking, whether or not, you know, you're sure sales is a career you're wanting to do, what, what's something you wish you would have heard at 18? That's a good question. You know, a lot of 18 year olds, uh, they're not really career focused at that point in time, like they're just graduating high school. Yeah. And they're like, where's the next party, you know? And like, uh, you know, they're maybe looking into like what college they want to go to or whatever, but it's more about like what frat am I joining or where's the next party, right? And I just think that it's important for like young bucks to, that are learning about door to door for the first time to just realize, like understand that, you know, if you sacrifice those summer months, four or five summer months that you would spend going to the lake or hanging out with girls or partying with your buds. Like if you invest that time into um, this job, like it gives you such a huge ROI. Like it's a big return on that investment of like sacrificing those four months because of not just the money you make, but the personal development and just the skill set, right? And that will carry you so much farther into your 20s. Like if you can get a jump start on that at 18, move away from your hometown, whatever, you know, hometown, like, cause guys get just so, you know, they get in ruts in their hometowns. And if you can just get away from that, go to a new city, learn a new skill set, you know, it, it, it works wonders for guys in their early, late teens, early twenties, you know, and just kind of helps you gain that confidence of like, okay, I, I know I have the skill set. I know that I can accomplish anything I want if I put my mind to it, you know, cause I, went from not really talking to anyone other than like my friends, teachers, and parents to like yeah. knocking on a bunch of strangers doors daily and like, you know, creating revenue out of thin air. And that's a, that's a cool skill set to have. What would you, um, what would you say is the biggest misconception, um, in the door to door industry as a whole? <laughs> biggest misconception is guys just think it's a, it's a scam or it's a multi-level marketing or it's a yeah. pyramid scheme, right? Exactly. And that's the biggest misconception. Like, and I don't blame guys because, like, honestly, if I were in their shoes and I just saw, like, this video of, like, us on yachts, like, doing backflips <laughs> off yachts or, like, driving supercars, I'd be like, yeah, scam, 100% scam, right? right? But there's a lot that 
you know, is behind that, like a lot of work and like, and guys just need to understand it's, it's just a, it's a sales job, right? right? Like you could go sell cars on a car lot and make, you know, sell a $20,000 car and make a, you know, 500 or $1,000 commission, you know, per car. Um, or you could go sell pest control door to door and the latter is a lot more fun because you go on a bunch of trips, you know, you make more, you have, you know, you have this camaraderie and synergy with the team that you wouldn't have on a car lot working with a bunch of 30, 40 year olds, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, it's such a cool college job. Like you're up, you're out of school during those four months anyway, you're not really doing much, might be doing an internship or working for your dad or whatever, but you know, you just, it's just such a cool job to have in your college years because you win a bunch of free trips, you make good money, you learn a great skill set that's going to help you in any, you know, any capacity that you're studying in school. Right. And, and talking about some of those trips, um, everybody's been talking about MDP mm -hmm. and how influential it is in allowing, like you said, those young bucks, the 18, 19, 20 year olds to see the bigger vision, you know, do the book club, the transformation challenge. You know, how do you think? You know, being here from the beginning, seeing MDP grow, like, like, is that another, you know, eye-opening thing, just seeing how people are much more bought in today? Oh, yeah, dude. MDP is such a, it's such a cool program, such a useful tool that Gaines created, and it's so cool to watch him create that, like, you know, seven years ago when, when we first started it, when he first started it. And just kind of what it's turned into, right? We've implemented things like the Transformation Challenge, the Book Club, you know, these these monthly trips to Vegas or Arizona where we have keynote speakers and different guys train on different things. And it's just been cool to see, you know, how guys, if they implement those things and they utilize those tools, then it just takes them so much farther. It just gets so much more juice out of that squeeze than just kind of going through the motions and like, yeah, I'll recruit kind of, you know, part-time snowboard full-time, like travel full-time, like kind of dabble in some recruiting. Like MDP has like professionalized the recruiting aspect of it. Just like we take summer so seriously and selling so seriously, like it's helped us take recruiting seriously. And I, I kind of low key de uh, coined MDP as the, uh, the millionaire university. Just because, like, that's what you know, it builds. It does, and the quote unquote professors that are giving these presentations are, for the most part, millionaires, right? So it's like, what what kind of organization can you be a part of that flies you for free, like, pays for your travel and board to go to a, a dope city for a weekend and to learn from a bunch of millionaires on how to be a millionaire? Like, that's dope. Yeah, I mean, and then we, I mean, yeah, we get to hear from the guys that are best in what we do, but also, you know, we get guys like Jimmy Rex and other guys we've had on, had come and speak, and it's just, that's been crazy to me, like Super Bowl champions, um, Navy, Navy Seals, Seals coming yep. in, like, huge uh, value adds, right, for, for sure. sure, you don't get that many other places, yeah. um, so 16 million this past summer, um, do you have a goal for your for your system next year? I know in, in your case it's um, you just have to you're, you're nurturing a lot of other guys that are bringing in the new guys. But where do you see yourself at the at this time next year? Um, my goal is to try and double over every year or close to it. Not double the last two years consecutively, but I think thirty million is a good goal for next year. That's kind of my goal. If I do more than that, I'd be happy to double. <laughs> of course, get, get there. But um, I think that that's a good, yeah, a good uh, goal. There you go. And um, 
And so you, obviously we right at the moment there's a new market that you're opening up. But how how many markets do you own at the moment? Um, I was in five markets last summer. Okay. So opening a six, potentially a seventh this year. So there'll be a lot of traveling. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many flights you you taking this year? Dude, uh, you know what? I was at eighty four. I need to keep track. I I for some reason I just I didn't, but I I mean it was up there with that probably yeah well it's just it's crazy for me because my first year it was you know jay would fly in every once in a while and then now you know your team's gotten so big where it's, it's you flying in every once in a while and so I, I i imagine that your your flights are probably close to the amount that he's taken you know yeah just taking a ton um, before you know i you're the one flying in every well, once there in we a while. go hopefully that's the goal so um obviously you know we we read a ton of books just with book club and you know, and a lot of guys, I'm sure, uh, because of the book club, have three or four books that they read on their own and stuff like that. Um, Jay and Gaines, neither, neither of them could pick one book. Um, could you name three, three books that um, either have impacted you the most of your life or um, just three of your favorite books? They couldn't name them. Well, no, no, I'm saying they they couldn't, couldn't name just one. Break it oh, down. yeah, yeah no, sorry, sorry, yeah. They couldn't. So you're name saying one. you're giving us a little spectrum. Yeah, just name three. name three of your favorite books. Three of my favorite books. I think the first is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's like that one like shifted more paradigms for me than a lot of books. Um, uh, that that's probably my first. Um, it, it's a simple book, but I find myself returning to it a lot. Is Rich Dad Poor Dad, just has good concepts in it that I think they're basic at face level but then you know they're more you have to read and yeah. you learn more every time you read it and then honestly like love them or hate them like Grant Cardone's kind of a <laughs> polarizing guy but I, I like 10x a lot just because that also like kind of opened my eyes to, like dang I need to think bigger I think that's like one thing that I struggle with um, just growing up in a small town is just thinking big because it's it's scary you know like I and growing up, I didn't have anyone around me that was like super wealthy or like, you know, that, that really like caused me to think big. And so I, you guys know, growing up in Little Rock, like it's a small town, like you just kind of, people in small towns tend, tend to think small. And so 10X just kind of like opened my eyes of like, dang, I need to think bigger. Like what if I 10X my goal? And yeah, that might not be entirely realistic, but I'm going to get a lot farther down the road than had I just stuck with this like, you know, smaller goal you know so just thinking big is, is something i've been trying to do more lately yeah because for me you know going from just, just seeing yourself and I, I think a lot of people you know if you were just tuning in you know didn't really know what was going on you know being able to take a company or one of your businesses from four million to eight million and then eight million to 16 in back-to-back years like that that's unheard of and for you to feel like you're able to go from 16 to 30 I think that's a testament to you, the culture you've been able to set underneath you and, and just allowing the people below you to also think big. So, you know, I always think it filters down mm-hmm. and that's one thing I definitely want to commend you on. You know, you just seeing the vision, learning to think bigger and then allowing everybody below you to think bigger as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I again, I can't really take credit for it. It's, it's really just going back to like the guys that have paved the, the way. Like it's, we really are, I am a beneficiary of their work and it's it just helps expedite that process for everyone else right like mm-hmm. you're gonna get to where you want to be five to ten times quicker than I did and like same with you you're gonna get there quicker than he did and it's just yeah. it's uh it's a whole program to be a part of 
Um, so we got the three books. Um, now, uh, three favorite movies. Oh, three favorite movies. I have a certain genre, genre I gravitate towards. It's just like good, fun action, like comedy, kind of like The Gentleman is like a favorite of mine. Um, Ford vs. Ferrari is a great one. I just watched that. Ford vs. Ferrari. That's a really good one. Um, trying to think of like another genre that's like so it's not just so one dimensional, but I don't know. Because we've heard all different types of things yeah. from Django to yeah, you know. Was it Jay or Dave's or Django? Jay. Oh, Jay. Yeah, yeah. He said it was Tarantino's best film. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I. I like ones that kind of are mind bending too, like Inception and stuff. Like those, those type of movies are. That's another one Jay said. Yeah. Like the Prestige, like mm-hmm. movies that kind of make you think and like just kind of leave you like second guessing, like what exactly happened. But yeah. There you go. Um, I think this. So obviously, you know, we're we're in Utah right now. Um, in my mind, that's it's kind of the door to door capital of the world. We're from Arkansas. That's kind of where our recruiting pool is too. Um, uh, that's just another another thing that you would say to an eighteen year old, basically that um, is thinking about making the the jump to come come out and sell with us this year. Um, what would you say to that person to basically get them over the edge, based on your experience? Yeah, dude. I, like, what do you have to lose? Like, you know, we're setting up the housing, we're facilitating everything. You know, like training you, we're giving you all the tools you need to be successful. Like. All you need to do is just come out and work, like put the hours in, like just knock the doors mm-hmm. for, you know, eight hours a day. Like it's really not that, that like big of a risk, right. you know, like it might look like it cause you're moving away from home and like whatever, but trying a new job. But it's, it's really, if you like break it down, like we've mitigated most of your risk by just having everything set up for you and facilitating a place for you to be successful. You just need to come work. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're scared of the work, that's one thing, but like if they're willing to like go talk to people and knock on doors and like, there's no reason why they shouldn't give it a shot for at least one summer. Yeah. And a lot of the, the guys that like might not even come back for a second summer cause they want to go do an internship or whatever. Like they always say like, I learned a ton this summer. Well, and, yeah. And, and I, it's, it's crazy cause now that I had, you know, had enough guys out there with me this summer, like I have a couple guys that aren't come, that are probably not going to come back, but because of Eco Shield, they got another job. Yeah. And and one of my best friends ever, you know, he's um, been, he's he's going to be um, at least last week he was shadowing with a photographer rather than you know being at a desk from nine to five. So it's mm-hmm. just it's one of those things. Um, and he told me, and he, if you asked him, he would credit that to Eco Shield, whether it's the a cushion of the you know that the amount of money that he made gave him or just the fact that he was um kind of being out on the doors being out there by himself realized okay i i, I want to work for myself do my own thing and so it, it, having guys like that said to me even at you know our, our my age just crazy so um oh dude there's countless stories of guys that have worked with us over the years that you know getting a job on like wall street or for uber or like you know, as like a lower executive ship that like they never would have gotten yep. had they not done door to door. And they just credit it to like 
their skill set of like being persuasive. They're better in the interview. They have these, you know, looks good on a resume. They have this, you know, newfound confidence of like, I'm going to go crush this interview. I know what I'm talking about. I know how to sell. Because no matter what guys do, like there's going to be sales is going to be a part of their job, right? Mm -hmm. Whether they're a banker, lawyer, whatever, like start their own business. Like you're selling people on things, right? right? Like whether it's yourself or your product or your service or your business or doing business with you, right? Like you're just, so it, it's an invalid, invaluable skill set. Like guys have to have it and you're not going to get it working at Jimmy John's. Like, no. so yeah, it's, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't try it for at least one yeah. summer. Well, I'm it's crazy. Sense. The other thing is having, having uh, more guys. It's just like, I have guys coming to me last preseason they're like dude why did i not do this last summer and i was like mm -hmm. i tried to tell you you yeah, know and sure. so it's it's a uh, was one of them yeah right? yeah coop was one parks is another yeah um and and like and this is like after they make their first or either made their first or, just, or saw me make one when we were tra you know doing training or whatever it's just like that once you get out there you see how serious we take it you see how organized it actually is um and and you really realize how good of a position you're in for one that you sell for you go shill but also just the fact that you control everything you, you know you're writing your own paychecks you which you kill and so a lot of guys you know are i think at first i think the biggest thing biggest reason guys don't come out is just um just being whether it's being scared or nervous about that you know the not having the security like um, they'd rather know that they can make that amount of money over 12 months rather and just have the safety of that than risk that they can make that much in four yeah, it's, even more, but. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like comfort zones, right? Like we talked about small towns and just people staying in their comfort zone, not wanting to like <clears throat> get out of that. And it's scary. Obviously, leaving your comfort zone is scary, right? But anything, like any prize that you can gain in life, it, it ha it's going to be on the other side of a comfort zone. Like you don't really progress in your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You become stagnant. And so if you want to progress, like whether it's like physical stuff, like if I do the same workouts, the same reps, the same sets, the same weight, I'm not gonna, it's, I'm not gonna progress, right? right like, right. Um, whatever sports, like you do the same number of shots or reps or whatever, like you're really not gonna progress in that sport. So like, same thing goes with like life and uh, career wise, like skill set wise. If you're just doing the same old, same old with the same old people, like you're gonna get the same result, right? Right. So, at some point, you have to take a risk and. Right. If you want it to, to, you know, to let to change, so. And, and I think Dylan alluded to it a little bit, just talking about preseason. Um, you know, say a guy decides, you know, he's going to do it for the summer. Mm -hmm. Can you just speak on how important it is to buy in to the five-star rookie program, to buy in to coming out to a preseason, seeing how it's done, getting a sale before, you know, you before May, yeah. when you're first out there? Like, how important do you think that just helps a guy in their entire summer. It's makes all the difference. Like I would have killed to go in a preseason my first year. Like back, you know, when I first started with a different company, they didn't do preseasons, and I feel like I was at a huge disadvantage my first day, my first week, my first month because I hadn't gone on one. Yeah, I did a little bit of one-on-one -on -one training with Jay in his house that he was renting, and it helped a little bit, but it's night and day. The difference that going out of preseason makes because 
you just you can hit the ground running once you get out there for the summer you know you already have a dealer or two under your belt you know what to expect like you kind of have your legs underneath you a little bit better you know whereas like my first day i'm like trying to even just remember the pitch or like not knock on the same door twice you know like Mm -hmm. because the technology was different (laughs) back then and like i yeah i mean so uh makes all the difference like and even figuring out how to make a sale yeah how to like fill it out yeah yeah yeah. it's efficiencies to like and again like we're paying for the preseason trip like you really have nothing to risk like it's not like we're making you pay like a lot of companies do to drive out yourself your own gas like your own hotel like we're covering all that yeah so we're investing in you so that you'll do better for the company eventually but like so what what do you have to to risk you know 